Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. The book of Ruth, chapter number one. If you find your place, but if you would stand for the reading and reverence of God's word. And um, I'm trying to get some nerves out here because if I don't get, get them out before I read... I'll be reading verse 6 when y'all are still in verse 1, okay? Um, but, uh, but here we go. The Bible says in Ruth chapter number 1, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judea, went and sojourned in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion. And it's funny to hear people pronounce those differently. Uh, we heard one, it was like Mahalon and Chehalon or something like that. It was so weird. It's Malon and Chilion. All right, get it right. I'm just kidding. And then I'm going to mess up on his next name. Look at here. The Ephraimites, and we're going to come back to that word here in just a minute, of Bethlehem, Judea. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died also, both of them. And uh, the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that they should might, that, that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited His people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-laws, her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return into the land of Judea. And, and Naomi said unto her, two, daughter, two daughters-in-laws, Goes, return each, of, each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as ye have, dwelt, have ye have dealt with the dead with me. And the Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and lifted up her voice, and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Uh, why will ye go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that ye may be your husbands? Ye uh, turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I, ha- if, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? And would ye stay for them ha- uh, from having husbands? Nay, nay, daughters, for it grieveth me much your, uh, for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth claved unto her, and she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto the people and unto her gods, and return thou after thy sister, and sister-in-law. And here it is. Ruth said in verse number 16, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go. And whether thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. And when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. So they too went until they came to Bethlehem, and it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. And I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth and the Moabitess, uh, Ruth the Moabitess her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came here, listen to this right here, and they came to Bethlehem 
in the beginning of the barley harvest. We're going to get to that here in just a few minutes. But may the Lord add blessing to the reading of his word. Let's go to him in prayer. Jesus, Lord, we thank you for what you do for us, God. Thank you, God, for your love and your mercy and your peace, God. And I pray, God, tonight, God, that you'll take our feeble efforts in studying God. And, God, I pray, God, that you'll bless them in a mighty, mighty way, God. I pray, God, that you'd show up tonight, God. God, I need that fresh breath from heaven, God. I need your touch tonight, God. God, I need to hide behind yoga cross, God. I don't want to be seen, God. God, I just pray, God, that you would just uh, preach me like a dying man to a dying people tonight, God. God, I pray, God, that the, the, the saints will get help, God. And if there's somebody here lost and undone without you, God, that they'll come to know you as their personal Savior, God. God, I praise your holy name for what you've done, God, and what you're going to do, God. But I just pray, God, tonight, we need you again tonight, God. We need a fresh breath from heaven, God. God, I pray, God, that you'll light a fire under us, God, that cannot be quenched, God. God, I just pray, God, that you'd help us, God. I pray, God, go up and down every pews, God. Touch every prayer request that's in the room tonight, God. I pray, God, you'll be with every man of God tonight out of our church, God. I pray, God, you'll touch them and bless them, God. And we'll be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the book of Ruth, we know, is probably, especially around here, is a very popular book. Um, we just went through 12 uh, classes in the Bible college just a few weeks ago on the book of Ruth. Brother Dakota, that was hard to write more than the Bible says on Ruth. We had to write in papers. And my wife had to read all of my beautiful writings. And it was great and wonderful time at our house. And I'm just picking. Um, but anyway, Dakota, you know my pain, right? <laughs> you know what I'm going through. No, I'm just kidding. But um, the book of Ruth, we know that it's a very, very familiar book. We know everything about it. It's, and like I said before, there's nothing new under the sun. But just in case there's somebody not here, somebody that's here that may not understand where we're at in the book of Ruth or may not know what's going on, let me just give you just a little bit about the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth, to me, is one of the greatest love stories in the entire Bible. The book of Ruth, if you ask me, is one of the greatest in stories, love stories of all time. Uh, it describes, it gives a type of the love that Jesus Christ shows to his people. It gives a type of, uh, of love that God showed me as a little boy. And it, gives the love, it shows the love that God shows you. And that grace that God shows you, that grace that we don't deserve, uh, that grace that none of us deserves, this book gives us a picture of it. Uh, we know that Ruth is a, is a Moabitess woman. Ruth came from a, a, um, a group of people that, uh, well, just to, just to, let's just put it this way, but to make it easy, they just, uh, um, the reason that they were even existed was not of the will of God. Um, there's nothing about the will of God for what happened with Lot and his daughters. There's no, there is absolutely nothing in the will of God of that, but down the road, that mess that was made there, God made this beautiful picture of Ruth. Think about that for a second. That mess that was made of mankind, that mess that was made in that family's heritage, we're going to talk about that in a second, but the mess that was made in that heritage, how beautiful God made it uh, today. But the, the Jews were having no dealings with the, Mo, the, Mo, uh, the, the people of Moab, um, the, the, the people of this, this, this town that's have no dealings with them. And, and we know that, and, and just like every man in here, Elimelech was just trying to do the best thing for his family. Uh, Elimelech was just trying to feed his family. He got tired of seeing his little boys lose weight. He got tired of seeing his wife go without meal. He got tired of himself going without meal and without meal and without meal multiple times. And he just got tired of it and done what every one of us would have done and said, you know what, I'll just take the head of the family and I'm going to go get my family some food. And I, I can't throw him under the bus for that. I can't do it. If, even though it was out of the will of God, I can't throw him under the bus for that because I don't know what I would do. I don't know what I would do if I knew my babies were hungry and I couldn't feed them, Brother Josh. I don't know what I would do. I, I, I really don't know what I'd do. I'd have to feed them. You know, I'd got to do everything in my power, just like the rest of us would. And Limelech, that's all he done. We, we, a lot of times we throw him under the bus for that, but that's all he done. Uh, um, but uh, once again, out of the mess that, we, that we're talking about now, we see the beauty of it at the end. We see the beauty that God can make out of it. I, th I, I found this little story right here. 
And that kind of ties in to where Elimelech was. It's actually kind of funny. It's kind of, it's kind of comical, so I'll read it to you. And it kind of just shows exactly where Elimelech was at this time. A foolish farmer, uh, so the story goes, concluded one day that the oats he had fed his mule for years were simply costing him too much. So he hatched a plan. He would mix a little sawdust with the feed, and then a little more the next day, and even more the next day, each time reducing the amount of oats in the mix. The mule didn't seem to notice a gradual change, so the farmer thought things were fine and kept decreasing, uh, decreasing the portion of oats. But weeks later, on the day he finally fed the poor beast nothing but sawdust, the mule, fin- the mule finished the meal, fell over dead. A silly tale, perhaps, but it, it serves as a parable of the backslider, the Christian who slips further and further away from God though through unrepented sin or neglect. Though we know our souls cannot survive on spiritual sawdust, we may well conceive, uh, uh, convince ourselves that, our, that a, little won't, won't, a little won't won't hurt too much and a little less real spiritual food won't, won't be missed. Then over time, the proportion of sawdust increases while the oats gradually disappear. But long before the change is complete and our starved, uh, sawdust-stuffed spiritual life has collapsed, before long, our long our, 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 before long, the, the change is complete, and our starved sawdust stuff, sawdust stuff, spiritual life has collapsed. It's kind of a comical story about a mule, but it's the truth. Uh, there's a there's a famous saying, and I'll, I've got it wrote down here somewhere, and I'll try to find it. Sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And that's exactly what we find out with here with Elimelech. Elimelech, he, it was it was a sin for him to go away from uh, uh, the Bethlehem Judea and head into a country of Moab to feed his family. It was a sin against God. And at first, it was probably a major change. At first, they probably went in there and said, culture shock. Uh, when, they start, when they start, who knows what type of chants they were doing to their gods, and they come around and said, that's not how we worship God over at our church. Well, we don't, we don't do that where we're from. But before long, they caught their, their selves getting involved. And a little bit longer, they were more involved. And before they know, they were, they were probably head deep in, in, or shoulder deep in idolatry that they barely even remembered who God was. But they never forgot who God was. I think Naomi, uh, you can argue, we had this debate on the Amen Corner one time, was, was, was Naomi a godly woman? And I believe, and that's what I'm going to preach on tonight, that she absolutely was a godly woman. She absolutely was. So I want to take a look tonight just for a few minutes. I'm going to preach it in two different parts. I first want to look at Naomi. But then I want to look at part of Ruth's life, just the beginning part of Ruth's life here. But uh, let's look at Naomi's life first. Naomi, this is a question I want to ask. Why was Naomi so convincing to Ruth? This is deep thoughts right here, all right? Why was she so convincing to Ruth? When I was watching that the other night, and, and it just, it really, I, I, Brother Josh, I've read the book of Ruth several times, but it never, never, we got this verse on a wooden plaque in our room in our bedroom at the house, and I've read this verse hundreds of times. I've got it memorized. I probably could quote it. But I've never really, it never really caught to me until this weekend that Naomi was so convincing because at this moment in Naomi's life, she doesn't even want to be known as Naomi no more. She wants to be known as Mara. She wants to be known as bitter. And that word Mara right there we know is, is a very important word to the Hebrews. For her to come back and say she's Mara, that goes all the way back to the bitter waters of Mara. That goes all the way back to there. Where they, when, and when she says that, that triggers and, and, and the minds of the Israelites and, the, and, the, and the, the children of Israel at this time, when, when Naomi says these things, they're going, oh, wow, yeah, she's way out there. She has lost it. But I think it's amazing that the Holy Ghost never quits calling her Naomi. 
The Spirit of God that is speaking to the man of God or whoever wrote this book of the Bible never quits calling her Naomi. Naomi wanted to be called something different, but the Holy Spirit did not want her to be called something different. He wanted her to be known as Naomi. So no matter how far she tried to get away from God, God was still very, very present in her life. No matter, And I think that's where we should be at today because there's some in here that's just wore out. There's some in here that just don't want to go another step. There's some saints of God in this room tonight that just they want to throw in the towel and give it up and say it ain't even worth it. But I promise you, I'm going to look at some things right here. It is worth it. There may just be a Ruth watching you tonight. There may just be a little Ruth that is following in your footsteps. There may just be a little Ruth that is hanging on to your coattail that is wanting to see what you're going to do with what God has put in your life and they're trying to get you to convince you because look what Ruth's heritage was destroyed. Ruth's heritage was nothing but sin. Oh, but what good does her descendants look like? There was a time that Ruth had no hope. There was a time where Ruth was done and it would have been wrote off the scene. Oh, but we turn to Matthew chapter number 1 and we find that Ruth is in the genealogy of Christ and forever known. She will be ever for known for being in that genealogy because she made that change in her life. And if you always want to be known as being in the family of Christ, all you got to do is make that change in your life tonight. Make that change in your life. Make that exception that I said, no matter what, I'm going to God. No matter what, I'm going for God. And that's what God wants you to do tonight. It's to be like Ruth. We're going to get in that in just a second. But why was Naomi so convincing? i got four things here of why she was so convincing. And we'll get on to Ruth here in just a second. She was so convincing, number one, because of her heritage. Number one, because of her heritage. In chapter number, in verse, chapter number one, verse number... <clears throat> Uh, two, it says, The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi, and the name of her two, his two sons were Malon and Chilion, Ephraimites. Uh, not to be confused with Ephraim, because at first I was confused, and I thought it was Ephraim, and I started studying. I preached a message on the life of Ephraim, and I was like, well, that ain't right. My, my, my context wasn't coming up. It wasn't, it wasn't lining up, so I went back and looked at it, and I said, oh, wait, it's not Ephraim. It's Ephraimites. It's a completely different person. Sometimes you've got to be careful. You'll be studying the wrong person, <laughs> like I was, and that's what I done. But I got to studying them out, and I found out that, and, and I'm gonna use this, I'm gonna use this phrase because I think it'll hit home to us. The uh, uh, Naomi, or I'm sorry, let me get this right here. Naomi was a part of the uh, family of the founding fathers of Bethlehem. What about that? She was part of the founding fathers of Bethlehem. You can chase them, trace them all the way back to the beginning of the city of Bethlehem and find out that that city stayed faithful to God. That city stayed, even though we find them leaving right here, we find them leaving to go to Moab, they stayed faithful to God because where was Jesus born? In Bethlehem. He was born in Bethlehem. So their heritage, she had not only a goodly heritage, she had a godly heritage. The Bible says in Psalms, the lines are falling to me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. Naomi had a goodly heritage. And I believe she didn't let a day go by that she didn't tell all her children. She didn't tell her daughters-in-laws. I believe there was a day didn't go by that she did not tell them about her heritage and said, let me tell you about Jacob over here. Let me tell you about Joshua. Let me tell you about Moses and Abraham and Isaac. Let me just tell you about all of them. And I believe she even probably pointed out and said, yeah, you see that mountain right there? That's the mountain where Abraham took Isaac up to sacrifice him. And he was going to kill his only son. She was basically sharing the Old Testament. Her heritage was the Old Testament and she would share it with Ruth and Orpah. 
And I believe the reason she was so convincing was because she didn't let her heritage die. And I'm here to tell you tonight, folks, I, 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 one time I wanted, to, I wanted to search out my heritage. So me and Joe got doing that ancestry. Joe got me talked into it and we done it. I wanted Dakota so bad to be able to trace my name back to George Washington. Do you know how cool that would have been? Y'all would have never heard the end of it. My wife, she would have divorced me over it because I'd have never. There'd have been pictures of old Uncle George in the, in the house everywhere. All right? That's just how it would have been. I wanted so bad, but it wasn't true. It didn't happen. George Washington's it's not part of my family. I had, to, I had to accept that, and it was a big defeat. Um, but I did find out that Abraham Lincoln was not part of mine, Brother Joe. So amen on that one, right? That's a good deal, right? Um, um, but anyway, that's a little inside joke between me and him. Um, but, uh, but her heritage, and, and here's the thing. There's some things in my heritage I'm not proud of. There's some things in my, in my family tree that I'm not very proud of. But you know what? There won't a day go by that I don't share it with my little boys. And I'm going to tell you why. Because because that had not been there, I would not be here today. Because God worked in my family's life. Because God started working years ago in my grandma's life to get my daddy in church, to get my daddy saved, and start working on the other side of the family to get my mama saved. I would not be here today. But thank God for my heritage today. It may not be perfect. It may not be beautiful. But praise God. It's one that's got the grace of God written from the very beginning to right now. It sees the grace of God plump through it. And I'm here to tell you, if you want to share it with your kids tonight, share your heritage with them. Show them the grace of God. Show them the love of God. Because that's how we're going to get through it. That's how we're going to make it. That's how this next generation is going to be able to stand against the evil day of evil of today. It's only if we share what God has done for us to them. Naomi shared her heritage with Ruth. Naomi shared her heritage with Ruth. Look right here, not only did she share her heritage with her, but she shared her hardships. Naomi shared her hardships. In Moab, she had to dig three graves in Moab. Some things in her life, because of bad decisions, because of mess up, because it was not the right decision to go to Moab, she had to dig three graves, her sons and her husband. And Ruth got to see her through all of it. Ruth got to see how she handled it. Ruth got to see what it was like to face hard times. And folks, what is one of the best ways that we can share the gospel with somebody is during a hard time, hold our head up high and say, Jesus is Lord. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is forever grateful. He is the bright and morning star. That is Jesus today. And if if we'll continue proclaiming Him, that will change our hardships completely. Our eyes will get focused on Him. It'll get off of our situation and get it on Christ. And you just never know who's watching who may just make that change in their life just because you had a smile on your face during your hardships. Sure, is it it hard to lose someone? Absolutely. Absolutely. But you know what? If you can come in with a smile on your face, if you can push through and just smile a little bit, that may make a difference in someone else's life. It did in in, in Ruth's life. It did in Ruth's life. Ruth's life was turned upside down because of that. Elimelech made a bad decision to go to Moab, to Moab, and he was making the choice that desire for the desire of the flesh over the desires of God. But God changed it all and turned that hardship into something so beautiful that we call it one of the greatest love stories ever to be written. 
Do y'all know in the history, if you study up the literature and, and look at the literature of the book of Ruth, it is in history has some of the greatest words ever pinned down on paper is the book of Ruth. How amazing is that? And little did, and that is coming from a worldly website. I've seen that on a, like a, it was a, I, I want to say it was something like it was, the link came off National Geographic. Let me just put it that way. A lot of times when you start studying history and you start going through, you'll see how the world looks at the Bible and then you just want to look at them and say, do you see what you're saying? You're basically saying the same thing, but won't live it and won't accept it. What about, I just, it blows my mind. I don't understand it. I guess I never will. But she shows her through her heritage. She shows it through her hardships. Mm, here's a tough one that's going to hit home, literally. She showed it through her, through her home. She seen not only, she was convincing through her heritage, she was convincing through her hardships, but she was also convincing in her home. Naomi, or Ruth lived with Naomi. In that day, she would have been, Naomi would have taught Ruth everything about how to have a house of her own one day. She would teach her everything. She would teach her everything she knows. And a lot of times, Brother Josh, we want to say, now women, you get a hold of these young girls right now and you teach them how to have a godly home. Where's the man coming that at? You know where what's spelling America right now is that the man is not the leader of the home. They're the, the problem in, in churches today and the places we go that the women pray in the house more than the man prays. Men, that we should, we, should, we, should, <laughs> we should want to yoke up and we should want to get a hold of God for our family, for our young ones. Our, we should compete with our wife to see who prays for our kids more. We should, we should have a competition, Brother Josh, of who prays more for our youngins to have the home that God wants us to have. You want to see God change things? Get, get a hold of God in your home. You want to see God change your job and change God do amazing things in your job? Change your home. You want to see God do amazing things in our church? Change the home. You want to see God do something in your life? Change your home. That's what it will take. Changing our, getting our home right. Getting our home life where it needs to be. Getting our home life. What do we say when we're playing sports? Practice. 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 You want to know how to be a Christian? Practice it. Practice it at home. That's the best way to practice it. Get into a routine that your Bible is just, it's not something. Oh, I got to read my Bible. I got to go get my Don't let it be like that. Let it be. I get to read my Bible today. It's, it's part of it's my routine. There's not an if and but about it. I'm reading my Bible. If you'll set that time and you'll get that time right in your life, that time will just know that it's time to read my Bible. Naomi was convincing by her because Ruth seen how she led a home. You want to be convincing to somebody, let them see you how they lead your home. You want the next generation, the youngest behind you to step up and be the ones that we need because I'm telling you, this country will not make it where we're headed right now. This country will not make it on the road that we're going on right now. And I don't, I, I don't understand a lot about prophecy, but, and I, I could be completely wrong about this, but I don't see America in the book of Revelation. I don't see them anywhere. We don't make it there. I don't believe America will be around at that time. America will be dissolved. America as we know it now will be dissolved and will not be around. But if we're going to have some kids that are going to stick it out, that's going to have some stickability, it's going to take our homes is where we're going to make the change at. The preacher can't change them. I can't change them. The deacons can't change them. The Sunday school teachers can't change them. Oh, but parents, you can change them. You can make a difference in that young person's life that they say, they'll say, I will die to serve the God that you're serving. Well, they'll all just, I will lodge. 
Well, thou goest, I will go. Because I see what God's doing for you. I see how you're handling God. And I don't want nothing else but what you've got. And that's what we got to do. We see that she was convincing because of her heritage, because of her hardships, because of her home. But I believe simply right here, because of her heart. Because of her heart. You say, but she's bitter right here. Of course she was bitter. Look what she went through. She's human. Naomi was not God. Naomi was not Jesus. Naomi was not a disciple. Naomi was just human. And of course she had lost her entire family. Of course she's a little bitter right now. Of course she, is. she just needed a little whipping back up into shape. And little Ruth came in her life. And she saw hope in Boaz. She knew Boaz was right around the corner. And she said, although I may not be what Boaz wants right now, because I'm already there. Because, I mean, there's a lot we could... Man, there's so much we could preach right there in the book and Ruth all together. But Boaz, she knew if Ruth would get to Boaz, that means that she could have that grandchild that she always wanted. Little did she know that grandchild would be Obed. We know the story after that. But what about... Think about what God has done in Ruth's life. But her heart... Naomi seen it in her... After 10 years of idolatry... It must have, uh, would have converted to a new religion and, a, and a, a new look. Ten years can do a lot to someone. Ten years, just, just hang on. I, I was picking with uh, Brother Barry O'Neill. He just turned 40 today. And I said, I got a decade before I turned 40. And uh, I was thinking about that. There's a lot going to change in the next ten years. This hairline's probably going to get a little further back. I may just shave it. I, I mean, I've done that one time. A lot, a lot of things will change over time in ten years, especially if all you see is idolatry. If all we see is idolatry, you think four years is short in a high school. You think four years is nothing in a high school. Just see what will happen in four years. See how they'll change. I believe it was Hitler said, give me five years with a youngin, and I can change them. I can change them. Five years is all he asked for. That's it. And your youngins and my youngins can be changed from what they were raised in if they're not grounded, if they don't see the heart in us, if we don't keep it going for them, keep egging them on, let them see how good God is, I promise you that world will look a lot better. That world will look so good to them that they won't, they, they, they'll be the opposite. I'm going to die but go to church. They'll be the opposite if you ain't careful. But if we'll get right and we'll show the heart that Naomi had, even when we get low, maybe our kids will be the one that picks us up. Even when we get low, maybe it'll be our kids that step up in a church and say, I just want to thank the Lord for saving me. I'm here to tell you, I, I, on Sunday mornings when these youngins get to testifying, you want to talk about something that'll help you, Brother Dakota, it'll help you more than hearing an adult testify. When you see these kids who can't even get up off their chair without squalling because of what good God's done to them, and we sit on a church pew with our hands down, and we can't even say, praise the Lord, we just got to sit here and we got to go. When are we going to get out of church? That's what they see in us. They see us checking our watch more and more in church than we do praising God in church. They see us talking before church about what we're going to do after church before we go into church saying, I wonder what God's going to do tonight. I wonder what God's going to do tonight. They see that in us and wonder where we're at today. Wonder where we're at today. Man, that's the part of Naomi I wanted to get to. Now I want to look at Ruth for a second. I want to look at Ruth just for a second. That was Naomi. Why she was so convincing to Ruth. And I think it's interesting. Brother Josh, Brother Cote, I know what I'm saying here. All right, this is a new message. I'm still trying to learn out where the, 
the transitions and the highs and the lows are. And uh, this is one of them hard parts because this, is, this gets good right here, but I got to get there. Uh, you kind of got to preach two messages in one to get where I'm going. But right here we see that Naomi was convincing to Ruth, and Ruth decided at that moment she was going to make a change in her life. And man, what a change it was. But she, we know the outcome of it, but she, was gonna, she didn't know the outcome. She didn't know that she was going to be of the house, that, that Jesus was going to be of the house and the lineage of David, and David was going to be her great-great-grandson. I think that's right. And um, I, I, she didn't know all that. She had no idea that that was what's going to happen. But yet she said, whether thou lodgest, I'll lodge. Whether thou goest, I will go, because Naomi was convincing. But then we see Ruth right here, and we see the perfect timing of the Lord. The perfect timing of the Lord. When they come into Bethlehem, it wasn't just any old time in Bethlehem. It wasn't just any old time of the year, Brother Josh. It was the time of the barley harvest. It was time of the barley harvest. Now, this is where it gets real good at. This is where we see God working in, 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 in Ruth's life and the timing of everything. And man, the timing of God is unreal sometimes. Where God can just put the right person in the right place at the right time. And he did that with Ruth. She enters into the time. So there's three things right here, and I'll be done. Three things right here I want to get to about the timing of the Lord. Ruth had, and during all this, Ruth had no idea what was going on. She was, she, she was like a calf staring at a new gate when she heard barley harvest. She had no idea what was about to take place in her life and what the importance was. But let me just share it with you. Number one, this was a time of blood. Well, that just changed the tone of the whole service right there. It was a time of blood. How do we go from barley to blood? The time of the barley harvest was also time of Passover. And Passover was a time where they, they uh, was a time um, uh, where they, they, the, the blood was shed of the lamb in commemorative the deliverance of God's people from sin in Exodus chapter number 12. It's a picture of the coming home through the blood. She was coming home through the blood. Had Ruth just showed up to Bethlehem and never met Boaz, she would have just been going through Bethlehem. Oh, but she met Boaz, and Boaz, we know, is a type of Christ, and Christ is the, is the one who saved the church, and it was the blood of Christ that it took. It took the redemption power of Boaz to redeem Ruth that day, just like it's going to take the redemption power of the Holy Spirit and of God Himself today to redeem you if you're lost and undone without God. It was a time of blood, and let me tell you tonight, folks, tonight is a time of blood. We live in an era where we need to get back to the blood. We need to realize that it's about the blood. It has nothing else to do with anything about being good works. It has nothing to do with about being a good person. It all has to do with you washed in the blood of the Lamb of the Holy Savior tonight. It's that simple. We, 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 I said it when we come in here. We come in here tonight with our, heads, with our heads hung down. And we're not excited about the blood of Jesus tonight, church. We need to set our pride to the side and get a hold of God and realize because He shed His blood, we have the freedoms that we do today. It's not through man. It's through Jesus Christ Him. Himself. It was a time of blood. It was a time of blood. Not only was it a time of blood, but it was a time of bounty. It was a time of bounty. This was also the time of the feast of the first fruits. I'd never studied out the feast of the first fruits, Brother Josh, and I'm disappointed that I hadn't. Because when I started studying it, I got just a little bit happier and a little bit happier. Look right here in Leviticus 23, 1 through 14, if you've got time to read it. A time when the first of the barley harvest was offered in a wave offering before the Lord as an, as 
a, for a gratitude for the harvest that was about to be reaped. Think about this for a second. When the priest made the wave offering, he was saying, this is just the first. There is more in the way to come. Jesus is presented as the first fruits from the dead. In the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians, you can read that. It is always a time of harvest when a wayward child returns home. It is always a time of harvest. And Jesus was that first one that was raised up from the dead. And he was that first offering. And you know what we are today? If you're a saved, born-again Christian, you're here today to wave and say, you know what? He was the first but I got raised from the dead because I was lost and undone without God I was dead in my sins tonight and I needed God oh but he came by and I can wave tonight and say I'm saved tonight I'm born again tonight no matter what I do I can't unsave myself no matter what anybody else can do they can't take it from me it is God that can do it it's only God we're here to wave that banner tonight that says I'm saved because God gave up the first fruits he was the first one dead you know what? Then there was another one that got saved. Then another one that got saved. And before long, there was a six-year-old little boy at 1445 Poplar Springs Road, Elkin, North Carolina, that needed God one night. And Jesus came by my way and saved my unworthy soul. And I can wave to God tonight that I am born again and I'm saved tonight. And you can do the same thing. It was a time of bounty. Not only was it a time of bounty, but it was a time of new beginning. It was a time of new beginning. It was a time of new beginning. Ruth needed a new beginning. Ruth was in a moment in her life where she needed God more than she needed anything else. She didn't even know what she needed. She had no idea what she was getting a hold of when she grabbed a hold of Boaz. And you know what? When I got a hold of Jesus, I had no idea what I was getting a hold of. I'm thankful I got to hang on for the ride and get to see what God can do. But that is what Ruth done. She had a new beginning. And you can have a new beginning tonight. I believe there's two people in here tonight. Not two, number exactly two. There's two types of people in here tonight. I believe there's the weary saint, and I believe there's the lost. And I believe somebody needed this message tonight. I believe somebody needed just a shot in the arm tonight to realize that there's somebody behind us looking. Looking at how we're going to handle things and how we're living our lives. And that we need to get right and make sure we're living right. It may just be them that need to pick us up, but there may be somebody here that's lost. There may be a Ruth here somewhere today that's lost and undone without God. I said it before, but Ruth, her heritage, I mean, you go back to see how her heritage was and the wickedness that took on, that took on in that cave with Lot. That's wicked. That's wicked. Uh, uh, I, I, can't, I don't really want to go into the details of it, but it was very wicked of what was going on. You should go home and read about it. It was, it was not godly. It was everything but godly. And, and, and it was wicked. And she come there and she was still in that sin. She had never got over that sin. She and her family was still in that sin. But because she had a new beginning, she met Naomi, she fell in love with Naomi, and Naomi took her to Boaz. That is a picture of us going to pick up somebody and bringing them to Jesus. Same exact picture of that. Because of that, Naomi, Ruth gets to have her name pinned in Matthew chapter number 1 when she gets to be a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. She gets to be of the household of Jesus Christ. You say, well, I'll never be of the household of Jesus Christ. That's where you're wrong. That's exactly where you're wrong. Tonight, you can be in the family of God tonight. All you got to do is accept Him. 
He paid the debt on Calvary. He paid the bounty that needed to be paid. He already done it. There's been several that's waved that offering to him to say, you know what, I'm thanking you for what's about to come. You know what, I'm going to go ahead and thank you for what's about to happen. And if we'll get a hold of that, I believe God will change things. We come get a verse of some song. I'm, I'm pointing at Tanya and hoping she was the one to play tonight. But I want to ask you tonight, you're one of those two. You're lost and undone without God. Or you're, you're Ruth and lost and undone without God. Or you're Naomi that's just, you're almost bitter. You're almost going, God, why? I'm here to tell you, when we lost that youngin' last year. I was this close from being bitter. Why? What did I do to deserve this? Why? Why does my wife have to sit here and go through this? Why? I never understood. I look through the people tonight, and I can go through every pew, and I can look at it and say, God, why do they got to face that? Why? Brother Corey, why? I don't understand why our moms has got to go through I don't understand it. Why? But you know what? I don't want to get bitter because I got some youngins. I got some youngins that are looking at me. I got my two boys back there looking at me that are looking to see how I'm going to handle things. I can't get bitter. I cannot get bitter. I got to stay right with God. So tonight, which one are you? Are you Naomi or are you Ruth? Are you Naomi that just needs help or are you Ruth that needs Jesus and needs to get saved? Which one are you tonight? Would you stand tonight?